The AXPX Podcast is brought to you by Charming Beard Coffee. Go to charmingbeard.com and enter in the code AXPX when you buy a bag of their single roasted coffees and get 10% off of your order. Charming Beard Coffee, quality, small batch, single origin coffee for the discerning coffee drinker. Beard not necessarily required. Welcome everyone to the AXPX podcast, the first one in a couple weeks. Sorry to uh, keep you all waiting. Uh, Joey is absent today because I decided to do a spur of the moment show. Um, he is doing some stuff this weekend. It wasn't going to be available, so that's that. Um, we have this epic podcast that we did two weeks ago that got lost to the sands of time mm. or to the hard drive, the hard drive gods. <laughs> I don't know, but we did. We had Rob Davis on, and I, I put on Facebook that we were talking to to rob davis and that episode got lost my computer crashed mid-episode as actually as we were wrapping up and the file got corrupted so digital zero analog one so if i would have just had an analog recording we'd be fine so anyway so that's that we're gonna act, try to get him on hopefully next week or so and we had some uh, some fun shows lined up for the rest of the week and uh, me and joey actually maybe trying to record something tonight just to get him on so uh, there may be a double episode i don't know i'm figuring it out as we go so we're uh today's guest um is aaron crane he's the pastor the worship pastor at bridge church is it the bridge church the bridge church the bridge there you go and uh so we've been friends for a couple years now yeah uh, we don't hang out much, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but we are friends. <laughs> we are friends. Um, he's the he's the uh, young married guy with no kids, and I'm the crazy married guy with three kids. Yes. So that might th- sometimes that makes it a little bit hard to get together and a little hang bit. out. Yeah, but. a little bit. <laughs> so I decided it would be fun to kind of talk praise and worship today, um, just because it's funny because my co-host Joey can't stand praise music. So, ah. <laughs> I, I so wanted, maybe it works that he's not here today. <laughs> well, I kind of wanted him to be uh, to be on the show to kind of throw his kind of skeptical uh, questions your way, but uh, but that's okay. We'll, we'll 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 do fine without it. Yeah, but. Um, but yeah, so we wanted to just talk about kind of your journey and how you got into you know being a you know getting paid to do to lead praise and worship and yeah and things like that. Okay, so, sound good? Sound cool. cool. Sounds good to me, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, we're outside in my backyard today. It's a nice overcast, a little bit overcast day. The birds are singing and uh, fighting and fighting. Babies are crying <laughs> in the distance, and uh, it's kind of relaxing. Yeah, um, enjoy it. I thought about smoking my pipe, but I figured with the microphone in front of me and everything, it just may be a little bit too complicated. I don't know if I can do that. So maybe if I had a, a lapel, or maybe I can try to get my Xbox Live thing your, to work. Your headset? I don't know if that's really going to be real good quality. I don't know. I don't know. I've never okay. tried it's it. It's not that important that I smoke a pipe right, right now. Right, right. They can wait. They can wait. They can wait. So, um, Aaron, man, tell me a little bit of kind of about your your kind of background, when did you become a Christian and, and kind of your okay. journey into Christianity? Okay. Kind of start there. Um, I, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, both of my parents actually are from Jewish families and um, 
they became Christians in around 1970, 1971. Um, and they, um, it's kind of an interesting um, process for them. They were kind of shunned by the rest of the family because hmm. when you are raised in a traditional Jewish home, obviously it's a big deal when you believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Right. So um, they were um, disowned to say the least. You know, my, my grandparents had basically mourned over them as if they had died. Hmm. And um, it's kind of an interesting perspective that I've seen from, um, I think it's always been a big deal that Jews do not accept Jesus as the Messiah. But modern day Judaism correlates it more with um, like you're siding with Hitler or something, you know? (laughs) And so that's kind of how it was looked upon, you know, well, Hitler said he was a Christian, you know? And so that's kind of the perspective that my grandparents had, Um, you know, so for my, my parents, it was a really big life changing thing when they decided to become Christians. So that was, you know, 10 years or so before I was born, nine Mm -hmm. or 10 years before I was born. So I grew up in a Christian home. Um, there was some, um, complications with my birth when I was born. Um, I actually had to be resuscitated four times. Mm-hmm. I had hylomembrane disease, which is undeveloped lungs. And so, um, through all of that, you know, my mom going into the, uh, the room and praying for me while I was in the incubator and mm-hmm. things like that, I was two and a half months early and, you know, just all kinds of things like that. So, um, uh, you know, I, I was kind of from an early age taught, about Jesus, you know, yeah. Jesus healing me, you know, when I was a baby and being attacked by bees. <laughs> a bee just landed. On I do not like head. bees. <laughs> do you have something that I can kill the bee with? Yeah, smack it. Smack it on me. Yeah, 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 do it. I don't know, just Will it no? Will it uh will it leave if you just shun it with that paper? Yes, we just murdered a bee live, (laughs) live on the podcast. I'm totally leaving that in. (laughs) That's awesome. So, um, anyway, that was crazy. It kind of, hold on. If you're sitting in my perspective, my my position right here, it kind of floated down. Like it was just, it just landed on his, and it had pollen all over its legs. Like it's probably like pollen drunk. Right. But we just killed it. So and we knocked. And when Sean hit it with his pad of paper, it just fell without even trying to fly away or it was full or attack. It was, it was full. We actually took advantage of a full bee and killed it. That'd be like if you had too much pasta, yeah, and you landed on a giant's <laughs> leg and the giant just killed you. Too much Alfredo. To our Hindu listeners, we're sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I would really try to respect all animals unless you know we're eating them or they get in our way. <laughs> We're the superior species. It's funny. Yes. <clears throat> Hold on. Hello? <laughs> no, she's not. Can I take a message? <laughs> so right about sure. now, uh, Sean is taking a phone call. I'm ready. What, what's, what's going on? Looks like someone is calling for Jennifer. Is taking a message. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And what's this concerning? Okay. All right, thanks. I'm, I'm like, how much do I edit this show and how much do I just let it go? Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, <laughs> we're keeping it real here. 
Wow. Um, this is what happens when you don't have your kids play video games during the podcast. They actually like interact. Right. They they it's come really in crazy. and they, they want to be part it's of really the podcast. And it's cool. I mean, you know. <laughs> They can they can add their input as well, whatever they feel. So, oh my goodness! Okay, like I was saying, I, so I, I grew up in a Christian home. My my parents were uh, they had converted to Christianity from Judaism, mm-hmm. and um, so both of my parents um, they were also musicians, okay. and they that's how they met each other in the '60s, early '60s. Um, my dad was a singer for a band called Lenny and the Ramblers, awesome. and he was a singer as well as a piano player and accordion player. Okay. And my mom was a singer. Her stage name was Renee D, and uh, they were playing a gig together, and um, they had the same agent, and my dad had made a bet with some of the guys that he would be able to uh, go on a date with my mom. <laughs> she didn't give him the time of day initially. Uh-huh. Eventually, he kept you know, persisting, and they started dating. Um, and uh, ended up getting married. I think my dad was 21 and my mom was 19. Nice. So my dad had gone to Hebrew school and, you know, done the whole uh, thing, you know, growing up in the Jewish home. And out of his brothers, he was really the one that was going to, that was supposed to be kind of the, um, you know, whether it was he was a rabbi or a cantor. Right, okay. Because he, he was a singer. And, um, you know, my family, the backer, our last name is actually Cohen, C-O-H-E-N. Okay. And, um, and that's kind of a, an impl- you know that implies that you're a direct descendant of Aaron, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Moses's brother Aaron. C o h e n. C o h e n. That's funny because I'm I'm less I'm actually um, doing a a Harvard uh, online kind of course or listening to the lectures and the the uh, the professor his last name's Cohen. Yeah. And uh, he says that's why he got into profession. He's like, otherwise I'd be a rabbi. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, or if, the he the, if he was in the temple, he would be an actual um, uh, Levite. I don't know, Levite? Or yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the Levite would be the lineage. Right. And that's, okay. you know, if we were to trace the lineage, you know, it would, there would probably be a lot of that, you know, nice. uh, there. So, but so, so you know. following in the line of your ancestors a little bit, being it, a worship pastor. Exactly. You know, just, you know, we, I right. believe in Jesus as the Messiah. So right, maybe right. that's a. So, um, you know, generally, you know, growing up in a, in a Christian home, obviously, I was always in church growing mm-hmm. up, and um, my parents were very involved in church. My dad led worship. My mom was part of the worship team, so it was kind of something that I was around mm-hmm. a lot growing up. And I, um, I think I, you know, I got involved in it at, in an early age. I was I was singing in church, like singing. I sing my first solo at like two and a half years old, mm-hmm. you know, and. Um, we just from there I, I got really involved in uh, being part of worship teams you know I sang on worship teams and things like that but I never wanted to necessarily pursue it it wasn't mm-hmm. something that I wanted to pursue when I was a kid right um, I was a lot more interested in sports um, you know as weird as it may seem I loved playing basketball as short as I am I'm only about five six <laughs> but um I wanted to be the first like you know white Jewish basketball point <laughs> guard in the NBA you know and, uh, we all need to have dreams. Played, yeah, exactly. You know, played football, <laughs> and uh, you know, so I really didn't want to, you know, do music yeah. as a career. I wasn't really interested in it. Um, when I was younger, I was really into hip hop music. I liked rap, and um, I was kind of like the, you could call me a wigger. I was the kid that <laughs> oh, that wore like the uh, the oversized Tommy Hilfiger clothing and uh, you know Nautica stuff. That was kind of my. That was really what I was into yeah. for a while. Like I would say junior high and 
and beginning of high school. And then, um, you know, all the while, while I was pursuing, you know, wanting to pursue sports, though, uh-huh. as re- unrealistic as it really was, I wasn't great at it. You know, I loved playing it. Um, I started, you know, I, I auditioned for the choir in my high school. I went mm-hmm. to a private Christian high school. And um, so I auditioned for the choir, ended up singing Oh Happy Day, mm-hmm. uh, the Sister Act song. And that was kind of the first uh, solo that I had in high school. Yeah. And from then on, I just I, I fell in love with singing and yeah. uh, and doing that. So I really started pursuing that. But um, I would say, you know, probably around my junior year of high school, I felt, um, you know, I was at a camp, at a youth camp. And, um, you know, it was in that moment of mm-hmm. youth camp where it's really emotional mm-hmm. and everyone's crying or or whatever if you want to say that that was you know if any of it was was um was fabricated or you know um just people acting on their emotion mm-hmm. if you want to say that you know i'm sure there was a lot of that going on but i felt during that one particular night just kind of in my heart i, I felt like um you would you know i could say god was speaking to me and calling me to do worship you know, and this is what I want you to do. And it kind of resonated in me like, this is, uh, you know, this is what I want to do. Was it during like a worship service? And, yeah, and just it was. on stage, you just feel like, wow, this is. I wasn't on you know, stage. But there was somebody on stage, right? right? A worship group, right. a worship band, or. Exactly. A worship band was on stage, and nice. I just kind of felt like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I um, did whatever I could at that point to really pursue doing that. And it kind of worked itself out because my. Uh, my best friend ended up moving to Oklahoma Mm -hmm. and he was the worship leader in our youth group. So I kind of had to step up at that point, you know, it was like, all right, I was the guy now I I have to learn how to lead worship or whatever. And, um, so I started teaching myself piano around like my junior year of high school, you know, junior, senior year of high school, started teaching myself piano and started leading worship in the youth group on keyboard Mm -hmm. and, um, started doing that. Um, and then I ended up going to Vanguard University, which back then when I started, it was Southern California College. Okay. And it's a, a private Christian school, um, Assemblies of God denomination okay. uh, school in Costa Mesa. So you couldn't, you couldn't dance. And so, exactly, because dancing <laughs> leads to sex. And <laughs> right. no, sex leads to dancing. That's, Does that's, it? Is no, it? Yeah, that's how it is. Really? You know, they, yeah, it's almost like hmm. dancing. Dancing is so bad, uh, you know, that's kind of how it was viewed, was like, you know, Sex leads to dancing. You'd that think, was the big joke. That was the big joke funny. on campus. Because you know? think dancing, you know, all the gyrating, right, right, would uh, lead the other way, around. right. But no, they, they, they you wow, know, that they, they don't really think that. That was just, <laughs> oh, that was okay. just the joke. You get it? You know, okay. that was the joke. You know, sex yeah, leads to dancing. Literally. Yeah, no, that's definitely not literal. That was, uh, so, um, so I went to Vanguard. Um, started. Uh, I studied music for my first two years. So with the intention of being, you know. Uh, emphasis in worship uh-huh. as my major, you know, because it's a private liberal arts college, mm-hmm. so you can study that kind of stuff. So I, I studied um, music for two years, and then and I was involved in choir and you know Vanguard singers and band, mm-hmm. chapel worship team, barbershop quartet, basically anything, any musical outlet I could be a part of, I was in it. I did theater my freshman year as well, but ended up dropping that. I, okay. I did it because I had a scholarship, but ah. then kind of was done with that. You You're know? done with the theater? Right, done with the theater. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Uh, I did it in high school as well, but yeah. um, you it was way straight, too much to carry. You just wanted to just pursue just straight on just music. Right, right? exactly. And, um, and so, you know, specifically in the vein of, you know, worship music, um, 
so I through Vanguard University, I kind of got involved with um, had the opportunity to get connected with their um, youth convention, mm-hmm. which is something that the Assemblies of God. All the districts for the Assemblies of God, they have something called Youth Convention that happens every year. Right. And the San Diego one is one of the larger ones, you know, upwards of maybe like, you know, 7,000, 8,000 kids at the convention center down in San Diego. So I got, you know, as part of that worship team, led worship, you know, did that for maybe five years mm-hmm. or so um, before they started moving up to the Phil Wickham's and the David Crowder's and oh, okay. the Jeff Dale's, you know, the, the yeah, big yeah, names. Bumped you know. off yeah, the exactly. Yeah. So, um, but that was fun. You know, yeah. I really enjoyed doing that and uh, did a lot of their youth camp, summer camps and winter camps. And um, let's see, um, all the kind of in the middle of all that, I ended up leading worship at a church plant out here in Murrieta. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably around 12 years ago. Okay. And I did that volunteer for about five years and then got hired there and um, was the worship pastor there for five years. And now, you know, Three years ago, I got hired at the bridge, which mm-hmm. used to be New Covenant Church, mm-hmm. and I've been there for. It was just three years as of Easter Sunday. Yeah, so cool, man. The, yeah, so the brief, kind of the abridged history, the abridged of Aaron Crane history. You know, it's interesting because because uh, I uh, New Covenant would, would pretty much be considered my home church since we moved out to to Southern California back when I got married and. Uh, and I'd always complained about the worship there. I was just always like, oh, man, the wor- it's just, you know, like, it's just because, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm already kind of critical when it comes to, like, a pastor's message or whatever. Right. But I was, at, at the time, I was very much really trying to just be a, as good a Christian as I can, good a Christian husband, leading a family and everything. Right. And uh, but I was always frustrated by the worship, and I'd always complain. Almost this wasn't every, your style. Yeah. Every Sunday on the way home, be like, oh, I just don't feel it. I just don't like it. Just very mm-hmm. rhema yeah, you know? right, right, right. <laughs> I've been to a few Rama church services and stuff like that, and and uh, and it's funny because right when you got hired on or started leading worship at New Covenant was when I started when I basically hit the reset. When I call it what I, when I call it now, I hit the reset button on my faith. Right, and basically what I did was just you know what I'm gonna not believe anymore, and I'm going to just try to rediscover you know kind of build up my what I learned started square one and kind of do that. And then like all of a sudden, like a good worship leader comes in. So, (laughs) and it was, and so that was cool. And that's actually helped me to kind of stick around. um, Cause I just, just wasn't feeling church at all. Yeah. You know? And, um, just had no desire to go. I was just like, maybe I should need to find another church, but we have kind of have a history with the new covenant. Yeah. Um, so, so it's interesting when you, the, the time that you arrived was very interesting you know, kind of correlation in my life. And, right. I've, you know, and after I think a year, you had met my wife because she, um, oh, she was, auditioned. She auditioned. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. I'm not going to dive into the whole thing, but she thought she was just auditioning for like the choir just to be in the background. Oh. But it was more of like, you know, someone holding the mic right 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 because <laughs> you know? we don't we don't generally have a choir right choir right. is a special occasion thing so exactly and uh, so she was just to say the least just really embarrassed oh <laughs> just really embarrassed she shouldn't be and and but uh she's she said she goes the worship leader this guy aaron she's like he was so nice <laughs> he, he it was like she was like i was so embarrassed and just wanted to crawl under a rock 
but you handled you handled it so well. Cool. And uh, so she that's a that's a tough part of my <laughs> job is having to do yeah. the auditions. Yeah. It's so very tough. Um, and then she was like, you know, he he's kind of cool. Like you should you should you know you should you guys should hang out. And I'm like, well, that's just kind of weird. I'm not gonna call some some guy right, that I've never right. met. Hey, my wife says we should hang out, man. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Just really weird. But eventually, you know, we we got to meet, and uh, she was at church. I was at church because she has, she normally works on the weekends. So, um, anyway, our paths crossed, and we actually met. And uh, you're a Star Wars geek and yep. a GI Joe geek. Oh, love it! Yeah. So big time. We hit it off. Big time. So bro, sure. love right away. Bromancing, <laughs> bromancing. Yeah. So that was you know that was that was great you know to 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 finally connect that way, and um, you know just having someone who actually cared musically about what you guys were doing right. as far as the worship goes right was awesome so cool. um cool let's uh i want to dive into a few more things sure. specifically about your your kind of journey into into praise and worship but let's okay. start let's take a break take a break here and i had aaron for today's show write down two of his kind of favorite right now like current praise favorites like yeah. current favorites because if he's if he's if he's kind of a geek like me like even with music you kind of never have a all-time favorite of anything. It's kind of, well, what mood am I in? You know, what am I listening to right now or what am I watching right now? Exactly. You're going to talk about movies with me. But uh, the first song I want to play right now, this is a song called 10,000 Reasons. It's by Matt Redman, and you're listening to the AXPX Podcast. Oh 
album 10,000 Reasons. That is Matt Redman with the song 10,000 Reasons. You're listening to the AXPX podcast and we're talking with the bridge worship pastor Aaron Crane and I wanted to dive into kind of more um, about praise and worship and kind of your your current philosophy and how you kind of got to where you are you know with with praise and worship and and what it it means to you. So um, while you were going to college did you have a point because you, you've been a Christian your whole life, um, you didn't have kind of the roller coaster with faith that I did with my growing up. Right? Um, did you have a point while you're going to college that you you did question anything? Was there kind of a rough time for you when you're trying to, you know, kind of 
I think everyone kind of goes through this no matter what. You right. kind of get to a point where you want to figure out where Things you Things on your own without other people telling you what you believe. Yeah, did you have a, yeah. a, a time like that in college and kind of how did you deal with that? Yeah, I did. And um, it was less of do I believe in Jesus or not? Uh-huh. Um, I, I never really I never really had a big struggle with that. Um what I, my biggest issue was what do I believe about my theology? Mm-hmm. What, what, what is my, you know, what do I believe about God? Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, maybe the church that I went to taught me something specific that I was supposed to believe. Right. But having different, uh, you know, theologians as professors in college, uh, some being conservative theologians, some being liberal theologians, um, you know, really made me question a lot of the things that I grew up believing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I was questioning whether I believed in Jesus or not as much as it was what do I believe about these birds are fighting in the tree. And Sean threw a <clears throat> pipe of some sort. It's a broken into, handle to a our, broken handle yeah, it just, to the hose winder yeah, thing. Yeah, broken. I yeah, ours did too ridiculous i think it's yeah i think it's because we get we don't want to actually guide the hose we just we just crank on the handle and hope it gets to where it needs to be i was in a hurry to get that stupid hose in right that's that's what happened all right i digress uh, no so um so that was it was more of what specifically did i believe Mm -hmm. and you know um did you like have i think it's did you have conversations how did you deal with that did you have conversations with even professors and like that or I did I had conversations with professors I had conversations with my family mm-hmm. I had conversations with my pastor um, you know it, it was one of those things where um, I think you're you I, I personally I grew up thinking that it was wrong to question things mm-hmm. that it was wrong to have any sort of doubt mm-hmm. um, because doubt and unbelief are the opposite of faith Mm-hmm. And it is faith that pleases God, you know, um, so you cannot doubt, you know, and, and it's like, even if you're doubting, you're not allowed to say you're doubting. You have right. to say, like, I believe it, you know, and, you know, don't say force, I'm doubting, don't say I'm questioning, belief. force this belief on yourself, um, like this blind belief without mm-hmm. being able to question anything. And I think as I've gotten older, um, and this is even something within the last three or four years, right. um, I've really felt now that I I can't just accept things that I need to question question things because you don't arrive at an answer unless you've asked a question right obviously so um, I think that it is important to um, to ask those questions and you know it's okay and you know I don't think that God gets you know uh, intimidated by us yeah. asking questions yeah, I always say I'm like you even, even when kind of getting in heated discussion with with my wife because we we in the past two years. We've gotten into more conversations about spiritual things, which is awesome. I think we actually talk more about spiritual things now than we ever have. And even though that I've, I've I'm always kind of challenging or asking the challenging questions, and um, um, I think that's like that's that's okay. Like I think we're coming to the a point in our conversations that you know more it, so, it's right? a, it's okay to ask questions and doubt and not have the answer. We don't have to have the answer. I I I think about the disciples. Yeah. Who were with Jesus? Yeah, and they saw what he did. Yeah, we have we have heard the stories of what he did, and maybe we've seen things in our lives that we would classify as a miracle. Mm-hmm. But there were di- there were disciples 
that doubted. Yeah. And they saw everything. Yeah. They were there. Thomas. Yeah. I mean, he doubted when he saw. Yeah. And we don't see. And we, you know, it's like, you know, if people want to accuse us for um, having wrong perspective because we doubt or because we have question, I, I'm like, what about the, what about Thomas? I yeah. mean, it doesn't make any sense to I me. I don't think Thomas gets a fair shake. I actually think that I actually, uh, even the past couple of years, as I've been going through my stuff, I actually kind of hold him at a, at a higher regard now because you used to be taught that like, oh, d- doubting Tom, don't be a doubting Thomas. No, and, I, yeah. and I'm not even viewing it from the perspective of don't be like right. that. Right, right, right. I'm just yeah. saying like he dealt with that. Right, but, but what I was saying is like even, you know, when I was younger and having questions, right, right. that's kind of what's thrown back at you. Don't be a doubting Thomas. Right. And I'm actually, I actually respect Thomas for actually having the, uh, you know, the balls <laughs> to challenge Question. Jesus yeah. right there, you know, and ask for proof. Mm-hmm. And um, so I respect that. And I think, I think people take that passage. I mean, Jesus does say, you know, blessed are those who's, who believe and who have not seen. It, mm-hmm. it, it is a message and it is, mm-hmm. you know, there is a message there, but I think that we need to look at that, that story and kind of breathe a sigh of relief. It's like, you know, it is okay. Right. Yeah. It's better to not, you right. know, Jesus says it's better not to have seen and believe, but it's, we're human. There's a very, you know I mean? yeah, very human aspect yeah. to asking those questions. Yeah. So I think it's awesome. Was there, was there something in particular that kind of threw you for a loop with your more, like kind of, I guess would say quote unquote liberal professors. Was there, I mean, did you, I don't know what classes did you take. Did you take more Bible classes? Was that, yeah, was I that took where a, you were kind of, it was in my Bible classes yeah. where I, you know, was kind of, um, began to question a lot of things. Yeah. And I, it was, um, you know, the, like I said, the first two years of college, I was a music major, but you still have to take religion classes because of, uh, you know, it's a Christian school. So right. you have to have your Bible yeah. credits. So um, it was kind of in the middle of, uh, I in the middle of my, you know, I was going into my junior year when I changed my major, I mm-hmm. became a religion major. Mm-hmm. And so I really had to, I was taking a ton of courses because I was trying to graduate in four years so I could have financial aid. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of cramming everything and I was just being inundated with all of these classes at once, you know. Mm -hmm. um, So you would have two classes or three classes all with different perspectives. Yeah, they they could have different perspectives. And it it wasn't that it was, um, you know, back then I thought it was maybe a bad thing. Uh-huh. For for people to have this certain um, view of God, right. um, you know, when I because it was so contradictory, maybe with what I was taught. Yeah, you know, and um, what, I mean, what I guess, what kind of theology exactly is what I'm probing for? Like, what uh, I guess, like, well, was it like you know whether or not the Bible is 100 percent true? Was it no. that sort of thing, or was it just how stories were interpreted? Yeah, maybe maybe how things were interpreted. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and understanding that that a lot of what took place in scripture was um, was in that specific time mm-hmm. and just because it happened there doesn't just doesn't apply to every aspect of our lives as well right. you know understanding that uh, things don't happen bad things don't happen just because we don't have faith mm-hmm. and that was a big thing that kind of rocked me because right. I kind of grew up with this understanding that um, if you have faith, you will never have anything bad happen to you, you know, yeah, almost. Exactly. That's right. kind of how it was. Yeah. But now, you know, I, I look on it now, and, and even what Pastor Gary teaches is that you have faith because of those challenges. Right. 
and it's not you know you're not going to not you will have challenges and um and it's the faith that you have that will carry you through that right um it's not the opposite. It's not you won't have anything yeah. if you have faith. I almost feel like... And a lot of that rocked me when I was yeah. a kid. Well, I, I feel like there's things like that that will rock people. And, and there's things like that that cause people to... You know, people that I've talked to, like even atheists and stuff like that, that I've talked to that they were raised up on... With the understanding that, <clears throat> number one, the Bible is 100% um, God-breathed and, and, and inspired by God. And even, they, you know, dictated by God. Uh, they, they, believe, they believe that. So that's kind of a, a stepping... or so look, look at it as like a tower of cards, right? You got a tower of cards. So the, the bottom is, all right, the Bible is 100% infallible. Um, so there, there'll be churches that teach that, you know, there's one little thing you find wrong with the Bible, you know, then what's it all worth? You know, it's worth nothing, right? A contradiction or whatever. And then the other thing is, um, yeah, the, the other teaching is that, you know, if something is bad happening, you somebody, if you get hurt or bad things are happening, you're not doing enough, you know, that you're not close enough to God and you need to draw closer to God and bad things will stop happening. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another kind of, another of the base of the cards, mm-hmm. you know. So when also when something bad happens, like for me with my brother-in-law dying, that that was like, you know, uh, knocking the cards, you know, the base out of the cards and mm-hmm. everything falls down. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> where I think, I think that's a wrong teaching. I don't think churches should be stressing that because that causes people to really, I think, shake up their whole perspective and just disavow everything and just walk away. I think it's dangerous to, to, to think that if something, you know, if somebody dies, yeah, that you tell them, well, they died because they didn't yeah. have enough faith or, right. or, or a hurricane happens or, you know, that hurricane hit that town because they, they took prayer out of schools, like that kind of crazy Pat Robinson <laughs> teaching. Um, and I, it's interesting because I've been listening to. There's a couple of podcasts that I listen to. One's called Dogma Debate. It's an uh, the 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 host is David Smalley. He's an atheist. Came from a, a strong evangelical background. Uh, I've had and then another podcast called The Thinking Atheist. Um, I've had their host Seth Andrews on the show. They were both raised with a very evangelical fundamental, you know, teaching that the God that the that the Bible is just. Every single jot, even in the English translation, right, is inspired inspired by God. So once they started seeing, and it's hundred percent literal, literal, and you know the God of the Old Testament is the same God as today, and so you remove one piece or one piece doesn't make sense, their whole you know tower of cards you know fell down. So they're very much you know hearing them talk, and they can't really look at the Bible. They only look at the Bible kind of a certain way. Where they're kind of like, well, I can't, you know, I can't even believe anything in this in this Bible because this, 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 and this. And it's interesting when they get a guest on. Uh, Seth Andrews had a Methodist minister, and he doesn't believe that the Bible is 100% infallible. He and he thinks that there's a lot of problems with the Old Testament, and it's not, you know, doesn't apply like to today. And translation errors, <clears throat> translation errors. There's are there are contradictions, but he's okay with that. It doesn't change this Methodist minister's faith at all because uh, he has he he has a uh, there's a certain study I should I can't think of it right now. A certain way of looking at the Bible, like a historical way of looking at the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, and even with uh, uh, David Smalley and his podcast, and they're talking about kind of gay marriage, and the, he 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 thinks how could you be a Christian and be okay with gays? Because it says in the Bible this 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 and this. Well, I consider myself, you know, the way I still consider myself very inspired by the teachings of Jesus. 
that's the one thing that, out of the New Testament that I really hold on to and find and hold dear. So my, I'm always behind the message of grace. You know, everyone has grace, and that's how I can look at myself supporting something like gay marriage or even. You, there's a whole even rabbit hole we're going to go down to, and I'm not going to go down there because I really don't. Ultimately, it's ridiculous that the that that the government is even having a say in defining marriage. You know, it shouldn't even be up to the government. But um, but that's how I find like that's how I can have like gay friends and be okay and not try to change them or anything like that. But uh, I know on Facebook, you know, David Smalley, he even posted something and said, oh, you know, well, the Bible says this, this, and this, so you can't be for, if you're a Christian, you can't be for, you know, supporting gay people. So um, it's just interesting how their backgrounds, you know, in the church caused them to just fully reject, you know, hmm. Christianity based on a church teaching them, mm-hmm. you know, a certain way. Mm-hmm. So it's kind, of, it's kind of a slippery slope with with a church and, and things like that. Right. Um, and I don't even know like, uh, where, you know, pastor Gary stands on this kind of stuff. I've always wanted to talk to him <laughs> and to be like, do I keep coming here or not? Where do you stand on some things? Yeah. Um, but really, you know, I, I don't think that the, he, he said some things about the infallibility of the Bible and, and things like that. And, but it's really not, I don't think it's stressed. Whereas, you know, other churches kind of, pound you over the head with that yeah and once you start to doubt yeah. you know you almost just feel rejected yeah so um i don't know where i was going with all that but uh i don't know how we got there i don't know i was just talking oh you were asking about things that maybe i uh, that I, yeah just i just kind of questioning e- when echoing, I was echoing this type of stuff sure did you did you feel any sort of um like condemnation or anything like that when you were trying to when you were trying to figure things out on your own or did you have kind of a good support group of people that you can bounce things off of. You know, I felt like there was a pretty good support group of people. You know, um, I've, my family's awesome. You know, yeah. and so I think they were really able to, um, you know, go go along that journey with me as yeah. I was as I was questioning stuff, and um, just discuss have discussions with you yeah. as, appo- as opposed to right. And occasionally, <clears throat> I think it did. It, you know, sometimes it would get a little bit heated, yeah. um, but I think that's the natural course that happens when you have been taught something for so long mm-hmm. and then you start to question it, yeah. you know, and I'm sure that's what you've been going through is yeah. you're, you, you grow up thinking one thing and then you start to see it from a different perspective. Maybe and you you're basically like, deconstruct it yeah, and be like, why did I believe the way I believe? Why, you yeah. know, and my, my thing is always, I'm, I'm in a journey of just taking all these kind of Bible classes and, and discovering like how the heck the Bible got put together. Like right. that's my thing. Yeah. You know, and some people like my wife, she doesn't, she's like, ah, you know what? That doesn't, you know, I don't need to know that. Mm-hmm. All I know is that there is truth in these words and I find truth and peace, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm more of an analytical person. That's sure. just different personalities. And sure. I think a lot of people kind of get, they'll take things personally, but it's just, everyone has a different personality. Mm-hmm. People like me, I'm going to, I mean, I'm obsessive. Like, I'm going to destroy, you know, Jesus said in the New Testament, he'll destroy the temple in three days, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's pretty much what I did. Like, I just demolished the temple, right? And I'm trying to rebuild it. Right. So. so well, I, I cool. you know, and I, I work with the youth, too. I'm I'm the, uh-huh. you know, I'm, I guess you could say I'm the youth pastor. I'm the director of student ministries okay. at, at the bridge as well. And, you know, I that's one thing that I really stress the importance with our students is, um, you know, don't take everything. Don't just take everything that we tell you, right? And 
apply it to your life as fact. Make sure that you dissect it on your own, that you are figuring it out on your own. Yeah. And you're not just taking the belief of your parents and saying that's what you believe. Mm-hmm. Because studies show that... Um, you know, a large percentage of students, once they graduate high school, they're not coming back to church yeah. because it was something that their parents forced them to right. believe and they never really learned it for themselves, yeah. you know? And, um, so that's, that's really important with me is that, is that the kids faith that mm-hmm. the students, their faith is strong in and of themselves. Yeah. And it's not just something that's, they're regurgitating. Do you find a lot of students, I mean, I'm not, I'm not around high school students that much these days. I'm around a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and a baby. Most <laughs> That's my experience with children nowadays. Yeah. Do you find that a lot of students these days are having more questions or, you know, sure. do you feel like it's more of a struggle for them just with the kind of the internet? I mean, you can look up pretty much anything. Right. You can, find, you can basically back up any idea from something on the internet. Right. You know what I mean? I do. I, I find that it is, it's, um, people question a lot more now than yeah. they did when I was a youth. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, again, not that it, not, it's not that it's a bad thing, mm-hmm. but we need to have the answer. You know, it's yeah. like the, the, the Bible tells us to have an answer for everyone that has a question, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not this, you know, should be more, and I don't have all the answers, yeah. you know, um, but I should seek to have them. And it's not this like, you know, well, you don't need all the answers. You don't but you need to be moving in the direction to have as many as you can. Yeah. You know, it's not just, well, just believe it, you know? Right. Um, So apologetics are a very important thing, you know, to me. I think Mm -hmm. that we should be able to um, argue our faith. We should have the answer, not argue our faith, but defend our faith, you know, when people have questions. And, um, but like you said, I do think it is a very big thing right now that people are questioning. Uh, The students are not... um, you know, it's just a different world that we live in with the yeah. internet. And I think, um, n- like, I don't know if you would call it new atheism or whatever it yeah. is. It's a very trendy thing right now. It's the, yeah, it's kind of a movement. And we actually did a show on it a while ago. It's um, it's almost like an evangelizing movement. Right. I mean, it's very loud and very <clears throat> vocal. Where before, a lot of atheists, they just kind of keep that to themselves. That's their belief. And, you know, in certain areas, maybe they'll challenge some things. Right. But, um but yeah, this whole new atheism thing, it's kind of taking a, um, it, there's a kind of a, the pendulum's kind of swung a certain way in our culture where it's just, I don't know if it's the internet. A lot of people say it is, just that no, that there's a bigger platform for people to get their message out. Right. But yeah, but they, the new atheism thing is kind of does have an agenda. Right. They're not just kind of keeping it themselves and, and discussing with other people about it. They're very much about... <clears throat> getting their agenda out, getting their message out right. and trying to steer people clear of religion altogether or trying, they're almost trying to destroy religion. Like, right. I think it's like Christopher Hitchens, was it Chris? No, Richard Dawkins wants religion gone and he's a big proponent of that. Christopher Hitchens, uh, the late Christopher Hitchens always was very combative with, with Christianity, but he didn't really necessarily want it to go away because he enjoyed arguing, hmm. but he was very venomous towards you know, that religion is a bad thing. Hmm. Um, it's just a lot of, there's a lot of vocal people. So right now, currently it's kind of Sam Harris, um, and, uh, you know, podcast hosts like, you know, Seth Andrews wrote a book and, and it's, it's a certain group of people. And I think uh, most of them came from more of an evangelical fundamentalist, you know, Christian view. I, you know, it's it's just, and so they had that evangelism in them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, that same passion just comes out back, you know, the opposite. Yeah. Dan Barker was a former 
uh, fundamentalist um, pastor that actually helped write a lot of popular um, praise and worship songs that wow. actually churches use today still. Wow. Um, that's, but that's he had like a, they have that passion to get the yeah. get some message out. Yeah, you know, I have. It's, it's I, interesting. A friend of mine from high school. Well, I use the term friend loosely. I mean, we don't we don't Wait. really talk. We're Facebook friends now. <laughs> but we, you know, in high school, we, you know, we kind of were friends and stuff. And and this guy was one of the more uh, vocal Christian yeah. guys. Like I said, I went to a Christian private school. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, it was. It was yeah. in uh, San Juan Capistrano. A lot of the kids were not Christians. Uh, well, they're there, they, they're they had a lot of money. Right? Their parents put them in the school. Um, a lot of kids got expelled from the public schools, and so they were in the Christian school now. And, um, you know, so it didn't, just because it was a private Christian school, it didn't mean anything. A, a lot of uh, Muslim uh, families had their mm-hmm. kids in the school as okay. well. And a lot of them I was, you know, good friends with. Yeah. I, I, hey, I'm a Jewish guy and I'm friends with Muslim kids. <laughs> uh, the thought, you know, yeah. and, um, but you know, it was, um, this, this kid was very, he grew up in a really strong Christian home. I believe his dad was even a pastor mm-hmm. and they were, I think they were from the South, like maybe from Georgia or something. And like out of high school, he went to seminary and, um, now he's full-blown atheist mm-hmm. and is like vehemently vocal yeah. about how he does not believe yeah. in Jesus, in creation, in the Bible, and in anything. How it's uh, it's weak to mm-hmm. believe in Jesus, and yeah. he's always picking fights, always, on Facebook. That's like his goal is to pick fights. Yeah. It's not, you know, um, you, you know, you're pretty vocal on Facebook about the things that you you know, might believe, kind of like but put, you're not I trying to pick there, fights with people. Right. I put and, things out there and see kind of the responses. And it's, it's almost a way for me to kind of, um, just mull over an idea in my head, just kind mm-hmm. of post it, see what the response I get back from people. Well, yeah. Sometimes I'm fishing for to stir things up. Of course I am, but well, it's, it's, I'm not looking for people's posts to attack them. And that's yeah. how he is. I mean, he'll go on for a hundred comments you know, yeah. it'll be back this back and forth Ugh. thing. Um, and then, you know, on both sides, people are attacking each other. And, you know, his family is like, please stop this. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. he's being very um, in your face about yeah. it. And um, the, only def- the only way that I can define what he's gone through is that his knowledge of God was all in his head. And I think that there's a, I think that there is a, um, a balance, and I think that's kind of like you and Jen might maybe have this polar opposite right. thing where her belief about God is in her heart mm-hmm. so strong. It's very personal, and you, the yeah. way that your personality is is it's it's your head. You mm-hmm. are thinking about this, and it's mm-hmm. got to make sense in your brain, and you've got to analyze everything. Yeah. And and I don't like cliches at all, but I and I, this is one that I do, um, I do think is true, um, knowing the word of God mm-hmm. and knowing the God of the word, you know, and I, it's something I've heard over and over again. And yeah. a lot of people grow up in church hearing that phrase. Um, we need to know the God of the word and not just the word of God. Right. And I think it's a balance of those things together because it's more than just knowing it in my head and it's more than just feeling it in my heart. Yeah. If you want to use that phrase, yeah. Yeah. it's a, it's both of those things together. I mean, we are created with a mind. We're created with, with a soul, you know, so it's it's those things working together, understanding yeah. that that's my understanding of God. And I so when I'm worshiping God and when I'm leading worship, 
it is affirming what I know in my brain Mm -hmm. about God. Uh, You know, I I read a statistic that 50% of what churches, what Christians believe about God Mm -hmm. comes from what they sing about God. Hmm. And um, that was, that's a pretty interesting thing, you know? So that's how powerful what we sing is. Yeah. And, um, and so that being 50% of what we believe about God is what we sing. And, uh, obviously music is, is such a, th- it moves our souls. Yeah. You know, it moves our, um, everything about us emotionally. I think something we talked about when yeah. we first started hanging out, when you were questioning a lot and, and doubting, yeah. uh, was you could be in the middle of, uh, of this moment where you were, uh, I don't believe this, or mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I believe this. And, you know, maybe Jim would be playing a worship song in the house and, yeah. It would move you to and also tears, I'm like a sniveling mess, right? Because <laughs> it it moved you that way, and yeah. and I, I and it's I understand that's that's the power of music and, yeah. and the power of worship, you yeah. know, really. So. I want to I want to come back and talk more about about worship, like yeah. about your job, what you do, and mm-hmm. how it affects you, and, and, and things like that. We'll okay. move into that, but we'll uh, play another song. Oh, where'd my sheet go? Under your foot. I'm very professional today. Yes. <laughs> Um, this is another another song one of your uh, one of your current favorites. Yeah. Uh, the the group it's it's Bethel Live, and the song is called "You Have." Wait, what is that? You have won me. <laughs> your handwriting. Sorry, my handwriting's worse. Don't worry oh, about okay. it. Uh, Who writes? Is, I, I yeah, no, I'm used to typing. <laughs> um, I I was. Can I text around, it to uh, you? Yeah, yeah, please text me this list. Yeah. I'm going to grab a trail and we're going to go to the song, okay? Um, I was talking to, actually, Rob Davis on Facebook, and he was asking, he's making fun of Comic Sans, you know, that, that t- typeface. Oh, I hate and it. And I told him, I said, I go, that's like, that's, I, my handwriting is like Comic Sans, because <laughs> I read too much Garfield in the far side, like, my nice. comics. That's awesome. So we're going to wait for this helicopter to pass, and then uh, we'll jump to a song. Just pause and listen to the birds in the helicopter. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So this is Bethel Live with You Have War Me. One. No. Sorry. <laughs> this is This is Bethel Live with You Have Won Me on the AXPX podcast. Back with Aaron right after this. Yeah. 
album for the sake of the world that is Beth Alive with You Have One Me. You listen, of course, to the AXPX podcast. I have, we're talking to Aaron Crane, Aaron Cohen. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Crane, he's the uh, worship pastor at the Bridge Church. And the, so the church is in Marietta, California. Thebridgechurch.tv. There you go. Um, so I want to talk about just kind of. Uh, how praise and worship like affects you, like what, why you're passionate about it, and things like that. So okay. you're, you're, you know, you you said that about fifty percent of what people believe is um, kind of based off what they sing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know a lot of people. I mean, there's there's people that dissect praise and worship songs. You know, the content, like mm-hmm. what is this song saying, and mm-hmm. and there some people get crazy ridiculous with tearing apart a praise and worship song the lyrics right um what kind of goes into your process when you're choosing like what the set is going to be okay you know uh sunday okay choosing the set for sunday um that's funny because a friend of mine asked me this exact question (laughs) yesterday oh really yeah um and really um all the songs are you know, I, I prayerfully consider every every set list that we do. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm just um, flipping a coin and uh, picking out songs yeah. that, to do. Um, I want to make sure that the songs we do are singable, that the that they're melodic enough that people can catch them. You mm-hmm. know, we're not going to do stuff that's really complicated that people can't sing. Um, the whole purpose of us leading worship is is not to. Uh, you know, have cool music, which that's part of it. I mean, I'm a musician, right. so I want it to sound cool. Yeah. And um, and there's the creative process. I want, you know, as a creative person, I want creative people to enjoy the music that we play. Mm-hmm. Um, so the utmost thing is not that we're entertaining, but obviously there is an entertainment level yeah. to it. We want it to be enjoyable. You know, otherwise we just get up there and it wouldn't matter what we sounded like. We wouldn't have rehearsals and just say, oh, well, it's worship. God loves it from our heart. You know, yeah. we want to do everything with excellence. You know, I want to make sure that we, we do the best that we can do. And, uh, but in picking out a set list, um, I'll generally, if, if pastor knows what his message is going to be about, mm-hmm. you know, he'll, he'll let me know. And, um, I can, you know, kind of pick songs that are thematically around that. For example, right. Easter, uh, he talked about, Jesus being the hope of the world, mm-hmm. and so um, there's there's a song that we've done called "Hope of the World." Oh, okay, and so you know we did that song, and there was a, a couple other songs that talked about hope, mm-hmm. and so um, that was you know we did songs that revolved around that. Obviously, songs that talked about the resurrection because mm-hmm. uh, it was Easter and um, things like that. But um, it's not just I'm not just going to pick something because it sounds cool. Yeah, I'm not just going to pick something. Because I like it. Like you said, there is, um, you want to make sure that the words are accurate, that mm-hmm. the things that, that, it's, that we're singing are, in fact, correct. Have, have you ever been singing a song and kind of go, I don't know if I really believe yes, that theology? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. No, that, that has happened quite often. That happened know, to, me, to me with the song, and I actually mentioned on a show, on one of the early shows, there's a song called uh, Job's Song or something like that. Never heard of it. And it's by uh, Antioch, if you're to Antioch, L.A., Mm-mm. Um, they have a worship team. Okay. And I actually want to get, um, oh shoot, I'm blanking on it. You know what? Right I We're think, Facebook friends. I'm sorry. I think that, uh, a, a girl I went to high school with, uh-huh. I think her sister was involved with the worship okay. team there. So there's a girl singing it. And my, my contention was, 
because if you, if you take the story of Job it, in the song, they were basically alluding that God caused all the problems. Hmm. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like, like basically, you know, they're saying, God, you have done this, you have mm-hmm. done this. Mm-hmm. And my contention was, well, you know, if you read Job, you know, if you look at the story of Job and whether or not it's historical or not, if you look at the themes of Job, it was basically, yeah, it's a, it's a story of a test, but God didn't cause it. Indirectly, he may have, you know, kind of, sort of, indirectly. In allowing things to happen? In allowing things to happen, but he didn't do it. Like, in the in the story, it was, you know, Satan, right. like his adversary, right. was basically given kind of, you know, all right, my my guy over here is strong, he can take whatever you're dishing, mm-hmm. basically, was how the story goes. And so uh, you, I have my own hang-ups with the story. And, right. so that, but, but, but that aside, my hang-ups aside with the story, like what it's trying to teach, I get the lesson of the story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but the song is saying that God is the one, you know, causing all these pains. Right. And that you're righteous because you've gone through all these pains. And I'm like, God didn't cause it. Mm-hmm. So I really liked the song, though, musically. But I had a huge just issue with the theology of it. And it almost like... I couldn't listen to the song anymore. Well, it's it's like um, in that Job says, "Blessed be the Lord who gives and takes away." Yeah, that and, was the that they were using that line, and that and that is you know people quote that all yeah. the time as well. Blessed be the Lord who gives and takes away. Yeah, but it's less about that's that's just something that Job had said in the midst of that trial. Right. That doesn't mean that that is something that we believe. Yeah. Just because there's a verse in the Bible of someone saying something yeah. doesn't mean that I apply that to every yeah. area of my life. Yeah. I mean, it it could be uh, an evil person in the Bible saying something, you know, yeah. an evil king quoting, you know, saying whatever. I'm not going to take that and apply that to everything. Right. That was Job responding. That's what, yeah. you know, how he felt about the situation. But like you said, it was the devil. It was Satan. He was the one. That was the one that the did damage. those things. So, um, you know, there's other songs that have those same lines in it, you know, yeah. and that's another thing where I'll be like, I don't necessarily agree with that, yeah. you know, or, um, but yeah, that's part of it is I, I don't, I don't agree with everything every song says. Yeah. Um, do you, is there a certain kind of like theme that you like kind of stick with that kind of more speak to you and you feel like anything that's more direct yeah. singing to God and worshiping God okay. is kind of what I try to incorporate okay less about um songs about me and what i am and what i have and da 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 da. Mm -hmm. you know less of that now there's songs that you know like you have won me for Mm -hmm. example you Mm -hmm. know jesus you have won me you have broken every chain with love and mercy you have triumphed over death and you are worthy of of honor and praise glory and praise you know so that those lines yeah it says it talks about me but it's more focused on God. Right. And that's that's the thing. My my job as a worship leader is to direct our attention to God. It's like the priests in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. their job was to worship God and to teach the people how to worship God. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, you know, my job as a worship leader is to worship God first and foremost and to teach the people how to worship God. Yeah. And, you know, we, we all worship regardless of if we believe in God or not, mm-hmm. we worship something because there's that nature that we've, we've been created to worship something. Yeah. And so we're going to worship whatever it is that we're into. And so it's, you know, teaching people that it's it's okay to sing these songs. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know why it is, but it seems like guys have the hardest time 
yeah. doing that, you know. The hands in uh, the pockets. I'm so cool, man. I'm not yeah. going to raise my hands. Exactly. Guys are the, <laughs> they have the hardest time kind of uh, participating yeah. in worship. Well, but. well, I think it's just uh, women are generally— Probably our culture women, anyways, you know, more could than It could be anything. our culture too, but I, and I think that women are generally more— they're more emotional on an emotional level. And right. that's not a bad thing. That's uh, if you're married, I mean, my wife's my second half. Like she has so much more to offer than I could ever offer, hmm. you know, by myself. So, hmm. you know, two halves make a whole kind of right. thing, you know, right. And uh, I'm more analytical and, you know, I'm, I'm the sarcastic and condescending person that that's the kind you're of the thinker. To, she's the feeler. Well, yeah. Kind of some thinker maybe, but you know, I might, you know, yeah, but she's, a lot more operates on it on a level of emotion and kind of personal experience. Sure. And, and that's great, you know? Sure. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I, but I think I've always, as a guy, I mean, I, I've always kind of been more of an emotional person anyway, mm-hmm. so I can totally get that. And there's okay. times where I wanted to raise my hands up and like, I would be in a church and no one's raising their hands. Just so awkward. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but awkward feeling. Um, <clears throat> do you, do, does it, when you see people, either responding or not responding to a song, do you notice that when you're leading worship? Or are Absolutely. you kind of in your, do you think, oh man, I got to work harder? <laughs> um, you know, I used to what be you, more that way. Yeah, but... I used to be more that way. Like, I'm, we need the people to, I felt like the people had to have some sort of response. Yeah. Um, we had to get to a certain level before yeah. anything could happen, yeah. you know, or whatever. I don't think that way anymore. Um, and a lot, uh, because... A lot of the people in our church and a lot of the focus of our church has changed to um, be more of an outreach, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, towards those that don't know Jesus Mm -hmm. instead of just um, catering to people that have been in church their whole lives. You know, I I, I feel like, you know, we don't want to just maintain the cycle of of recycling Christians through churches. Like they get sick of this church, so they're going to go to this church and... Then they go to this church. Oh, yeah. cool. We got some new members. They were yeah, from this yeah. church. And it's like, you know, I think our responsibility is is more to reach those that don't know Christ and have them come to the church mm-hmm. and grow in their relationship with him. So you're less so you're less worried about what 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 the congregation is doing and is kind of just focus on you. Do you f- try to focus on you just using the time for you to worship? Is that how you look at it? Or, um, I mean, is there, it's a very it's kind of a juggling act. It's right? a balance yeah. because I, you know, understanding that the reason I'm here is to not, I'm not here to entertain you. Yeah, I'm here to worship, but I'm here to lead you in worship. So in my own personal worship time, where I might have my eyes closed the whole time, mm-hmm. and I might have my hands lifted the entire time, I might be on my knees, you know, in right. my own personal worship right, time. Right. When I'm leading in worship, I might not be doing that. Right. Because I'm, I'm, I'm looking, and I'm seeing, the way that I see that God is moving in, in the congregation, mm-hmm. the way that the Holy Spirit is moving, it's not like he's physically moving and dancing around, you yeah. know, or anything, but the way that people are responding, you can see that's how God's moving in their hearts in that moment, yeah. you know, and so I can kind of gauge exactly what we're going to do. Like, maybe maybe the plan was we were going to sing this song, this chorus, you know, two times, you know, but man... This is the the people are really connecting with mm-hmm. this, and God's doing something here. So let's sing that chorus again. Let's go back to that chorus, or maybe there's a song that we didn't even have planned for today, you okay. know. And that's more of a rare occasion. Yeah, we we try not to do. We try to be as prepared as we can. I like to 
when I when I talk to worship leaders because I'll I'll speak to worship leaders and yeah. conferences or whatever, and I talk about over preparing. That it's none of this like, well, we'll just go up there and see what happens. Right. You know, we need to over prepare, and um, and from that being over prepared, if we feel like we're supposed to go a different direction, we can be sensitive right. to that and do that. So, um, what's been what's been? I know that we talked earlier about kind of music, especially with me. Like, has brought even even in my darkest like, you know. Had the most like anger and doubt, you know, mm-hmm. would just I would just be filled with it, you know, yeah. and just one song would basically make me question it or just kind of make me at more at peace and kind of just throw my hands up and just not worry about it so much. Sure. You know, music's a powerful thing, even you know non-Christian music. Um, um, how what's been like? I guess have you had an experience where you've seen? Uh, seeing praise and worship music just really affect someone as you've been leading worship, or has you know? Oh yeah. What is there something that sticks out in your mind? I mean, I uh, a particular story. Yeah. I, man, I I can't think of one particular one off the top of my head right now. But um, well, okay. There there's a lady that um in the church that she's going through a lot of things with her family right now. Mm-hmm. Her son is in the middle of uh, some serious legal issues mm-hmm. you know some very serious things i mean i'm i'm talking the worst thing that yeah. you could be charged with yeah. i mean it's pretty bad and um so she's in the middle of all of this and and we were we were doing a song um i think it was always it's called always and it just talks about how god is always faithful mm-hmm. regardless of what we're going through that he's always faithful mm-hmm. and um and that has really spoke to her. And she, you know, she came up to me after service or something. I think she was helping out at the office one day or something. And she came up and, and told me how, you know, that song has really been speaking to her. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think at, at all levels, there's always there's always people that a song is going to, you know, speak to more than somebody else, maybe depending on what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And, um, and even in my personal life, um, there was some things that I was dealing with, I would say maybe like two years ago, just, mm-hmm. um, nothing like crazy, but just a time where I was you weren't really in heroin or anything. No, <laughs> no heroin use, no heroin. Okay. No, no. Uh, just, uh, you know, some stuff that I was just, um, maybe emotionally yeah. or, or, or whatever, um, just maybe felt like this, this fear of something, you know, and I just, uh, this one song that I had uh, been listening to, man, I would, I literally would have it on repeat on my cell phone, you know, on my iPhone, just right next to my bed. Yeah. And it would just give me such peace. You know, it was just kind of in the in this moment of maybe confusion or mm-hmm. frustration, like you said, and this song, the lyrics to the song and um and the music. I mean every every part of it just yeah. really it really gave me such a peace. Yeah. And so I, I see how that is so important in people's lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, people wanna um I'm gonna take my jacket off because now I'm getting a little warm. Um, people want to uh, to say that it's just, you know, um, emotionalism, or um, you know, whatever they want to call it. But um, you know, I, I I definitely think there's something very real to it. Like you said, even with secular music or mm-hmm. non-Christian, if you want to mm-hmm. call it secular, yeah. uh, sacred versus secular, you know, <laughs> Christian, non-Christian, um, music is music, and I don't yeah. like I don't like classifying it either. Um, I art is art yeah and um it's how people express themselves i think that worship music is um specifically 
designed to, you know, for us to worship God with, which I think that's in a different category. I'm not a big Christian music listener. Yeah. Um, I listen to a lot of worship music and other music. Yeah. I don't, I don't particularly enjoy contemporary Christian music. Yeah. You know, there's some bands that I do enjoy, but for the most part, not, not really a big fan, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I would say, um, with any style of music, you know, I remember a buddy that I had was a big Deftones fan, yeah. you know, and he was always so depressed, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> of course, like you listen to the Deftones all the, most the time. Depressing music ever. Yeah. I mean, maybe the music's cool and I yeah. get it, you know, but you know, I, I understand how it speaks to us so much that, you know, I'm just real careful about yeah. what I do listen to, even in the non-Christian genre yeah. or whatever. Well, it's, it's interesting how music affects people totally. Yeah. You know, um, I have a good, I think I have a good balance depending on, I mean, depending on my mood, I'll listen to certain things. Like mm-hmm. there's, I'm getting older, so I'm listening to a lot of like Dennis and Whitmer and, you know, uh, Iron and Wine and mm. stuff like that. Uh, Folky Noah, stuff. Noah Gunderson. Okay. Folky type. But that's Iron just, and Wine's cool, yeah. Just because of my life outside of everything else is so hectic my my job is ridiculous it's 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 a full day of solving people's problems on the computer and talking all day long yeah you know then i get home and it's it's the kids you know the kids are great it's i love being a parent but it's work you know it's and then so in my car you know when i need a break i'm turning on something when i'm listening to music is generally something more relaxed and right back right um if i'm trying to get the house clean something like that I'm putting on some Bon Jovi. Something more motivating. Yeah. <laughs> Something, Shut you know, you know, still fun. But uh, I don't, I mean, I really, I used to listen to a lot of Deftones. I used to listen to, uh, I never got into corn, but ugh. But you can always tell a corn fan. Yeah, you can. You can. Uh, I met Head Welch, by the way. <laughs> oh, did you? I did at the NAMM show this year. Man, I'm trying to get him on the podcast. So yeah. we'll have to work that He's out. He's a really nice guy. <laughs> He's scared, uh, you know, we're, we actually, Joey actually knows his manager. So we're trying to work that out. Cool. Brian, if you're listening, man, seriously, I'm a non. We're non-combative. We just want to hear your story. That's pretty much it. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but it's 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 it is. You know, when I was going through stuff and just angry, I wanted to listen to some hardcore. Like there was a band called Strife that was I really liked. Um, even a band like Living Sacrifice, who's a Christian band, but their stuff is so heavy and mm-hmm. like you, you don't. You're in a certain mindset when you're listening to certain types of music. So. Right. Music is a fascinating thing, it always has been, and, you know, there's people that will, you know, reject heavy metal and stuff like that and say it's of the devil or mm-hmm. anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think I've, in in my experience with all that, I think I've, we woven in and out of of music and appreciate all kinds. Yeah. I can see a, I can see pretty much, uh, you know, a time and a place for pretty much everything, except for, like, rap you know, some, some rap, like the hardcore stuff, you know, right. There's just, you know, I don't know. I and like, I like good hip hop music, people but like, there's, well, there's, there's not a lot but of there's it. certain, there's certain kinds that even myself is even as somebody who's like, well, you're not necessarily don't consider yourself a Christian. So whatever, but there are certain things that, man, if you listen to certain, even words constantly, yeah, it definitely is going to affect you. It affects so the way you talk, man. When I know that's so true. When I, uh, just to give you an example, when I was in junior high, um, on the way to school, 
I'd have my cassette Walkman. Mm-hmm. You know, this is. Yes, um, there were things that actually played cassette tapes that were portable. They were called Walkman. I had a waterproof and, uh, yellow one. Oh, those were awesome. I wanted one. <laughs> Mine was a Sony, but it wasn't the waterproof yellow one. Just in case you need to take it to the pool. Those were so cool. <laughs> exactly. So, or the bathtub, the shower, whatever. So, um, I was uh, on my way to school. I remember in junior high, and I would have. DC Talk, Jesus Free, yeah. the cassette for that. But inside of that cassette was actually Snoop Doggy Dog, <laughs> his album called Doggy Style. Mm-hmm. Or um, I also had Dr. Dre's album, The Chronic. And yeah. I had wrote uh, with a, written with a Sharpie on the, the, the actual CD itself. The picture on the CD was a marijuana leaf. Oh, okay. And so I wrote on it. I, put, I wrote Jesus on it, and then I drew a cross. And then uh, <laughs> I, I called it Dr. Dream instead of Dr. Dre. And then The Chronicles. In case my parents found it, they wouldn't wow. know that that's what it was. That's hardcore. But I, I locked mine in. I, I was all mine about. Drawer. Yeah, I did. I, I and and all my tapes were in a shoebox hidden in the. Uh, it was like NWA and and uh, you know all these like hardcore gangster rap back then. Death Dude, Row we're, Records. We're, so I. This is we're eerily. I'm listening. To this we're eerily similar. Yeah. Same dude. Same exact thing for me. Um, my my. I forgot to lock my drawer one day, and my dad found all my stuff. Oh and, bummer. Um, See that's uh, I. That was a sad. You day. got it found. I I turned myself in in you a weeping in. mess. You know, yeah. <laughs> so I, I I was you know I was this I was a kid in junior high. People would literally pay me to write the lyrics to the songs out because wow. I I had them memorized. Oh, I mean man. I I had these songs memorized like nothing. And and it did like you said though it it affected the way that I talked. Yeah. It it affected the way I interacted with people. I was a lot more angry because the the music is very angry. I mean yeah. it's. Constantly talking about you know sex and violence and yeah. drugs and uh, with no regard for anybody and um, yeah. and so it really did affect me and um, you know I never got into any of that stuff I pretended mm-hmm. like I was I you yeah. know whatever but I was never into any of it but but the the fact is like that it does affect you it, it just shows you the effect that music has on on your life and and the way that you interact with people mm-hmm. and and all of that but it was funny i, I remember That's writing funny. the lyrics down to the songs and people paying me like a dollar and here's yeah. the lyrics to you know this song by Snoop yeah. Dogg or or whatever yeah i listened to you know today was a good day by ice cube but i oh, never yeah. but i never you know had to take out my AK. Right. Shake them up, shake them up, shake them up, shake them. <laughs> I was playing uh, the Settlers of Catan, one of my favorite board games of yeah. all time, uh, yesterday. And we were playing, and uh, my buddy, as he was rolling the dice, he was yeah. saying, shake them up, shake them up, shake them up, shake them. Totally. Uh, That's great. You know, a line from that song. That's so, awesome. Right. I feel like there's a point where you get to be an adult where you can kind of separate, you know, the bad from the good and kind of, you know, listen to a song and kind of get it but I think there's a certain there is a certain and as a parent now as a kid I didn't get it you know but as a parent now I can see you know development as the as the child develops there's a time and a place for everything so it's going to be weird me as an adult navigating my kids through the world of music and stuff like that right um, just because I have experience with it and yeah I never turned into a gangsta right like that you know right. but um, you know it did it I did get, you know, I was a very rebellious as far as my mindset, you know, and it did affect me, um, my mood. And, and when I would get mad, you know, if I get mad at my parents, first thing I do would be listen to something they didn't want me to listen to. Mm-hmm. You know, even as an adult with like movies and stuff, yep. I, I've bought cartoons, I've bought the DVDs because like my parents never let me watch this. I'm buying it now. He Man. Um, exactly. <laughs> he Man. I bought He Man. 
33 Skeletor years old. Is evil. And, I'm, and I'm buying He-Man just to because just spite you. Watch it. It's just my wife is like, you're so weird. <laughs> you know, I'm like, but it's. Oh, you know, I had the phases, man. I had, weird, I, I, there was the phases where my 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 parents um, made me throw away all of my Cobra action figures. I could oh, keep man. all my Joes, yeah. but I had to ditch all the Cobras. And it was because of their friends that were these hyper crazy, you know, <laughs> Christian uh, people that wouldn't let their kids yeah. play with them or wouldn't let their kids watch anything. You know, there was like this time where I couldn't even watch Ninja Turtles, you know, yeah. because there was a kind of, anything yeah. with the, uh, you know, what it, the an- animals that were talking yeah. was bad, you know, almost. When and they're fighting. And yeah, it was, yeah. And the meditation crazy. and yeah. all those things. So, but I would sneak it. I'd go up to my grandma's room and watch it in there, you know, whatever. How dare you? Yeah. You're so rebellious. Oh, terrible. So it's going to be weird. It's, I think it's all about, I think life, learning, and it's all about balance. Yeah, and, for uh, sure. And, you know, I don't necessarily listen to a lot of worship music anymore, but, uh, you know, occasionally I, I will. And, yeah, it's there's a calming factor to it, you know. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what that I'll is. I'll give you some good, uh, some good CDs that you'll enjoy. All right, man, I guess. Yeah. I guess. You promise me you'll listen to them. Right? <laughs> no, because I'll turn into just a weeping mass yeah. on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but I got some stuff that's kind of along that folky sound. That there you, you like, go. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, we can't listen to. Um, uh, oh shoot! What are, what are they? Um, oh gosh, I just posted about them on the site not too long ago. He just interviewed. Who's the big folk person out right now? Their parents are, are Mumford and Sons. Mumford and Sons. Yeah, we, Christians can't listen to Mumford and Sons anymore because they don't like to be called Christians. Yeah, yeah. yeah I read that. So their their parents are like, like the guy's parents are like the head of vineyard for the yeah. UK or something. Well, he has that background. It, it's just it's what's funny is how Christians kind of put a certain person up on a pedestal, like oh he has a Christian background, so boom, you know. Exactly. And, uh, he says, "Well, I'm not really a Christian," you know. Um, he likes quote, the teachings of Jesus, but he doesn't call himself a Christian. Yeah, I can totally relate to to, to the guy, the Mumford, whatever his name is. I was reading the article, and I was like, I totally get you. I get it. I get it. I totally get it. You know, but then there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I guess we can't listen to Mumford and Sons in youth group anymore. <laughs> you know? Oh, I guess great kids can't, I can't, you know, I can't listen to them anymore because they're not Christian. You know, but it's... One of the guys that leads worship in our youth group, um, he will occasionally uh, throw a hook from a Mumford song. <laughs> How dare him. Into into one of the worship songs. Yeah. And uh like Awake My Soul. Yeah. You know, just singing well, that line over and over again. And there's there's music that's spiritual in a way, and that's the thing. I think music is used as a form of communication and whatever your background is, whatever you're going through, it's a great tool to kind of just therapeutically yourself get something down and out, you know, of your soul. Yeah. And um Absolutely. And I, I think music is a powerful powerful tool have you considered writing anything you know i have your own or absolutely um i and i have written some songs um it's been a really long time yeah but i've uh i have written some stuff and and you know it's i'm a i have a little bit of uh some ocd tendencies and some perfectionist qualities and so it's really hard for me to write a song (laughs) and finish it yeah um so I, lyrics. I really want to get with someone who is uh, a producer that will have the final word on some things yeah. and kind of get that out of my my thinking um, yeah. and let them make those decisions because otherwise <laughs> we'll be here, you know, for years working on one song. You know? Yeah. So, but that's definitely something that I want to do, and um, even uh, as our even as a church, you know, that that the bridge, you know, whatever God is doing within that church within our church body, 
um, in the lives of the people that songs come out of that, mm-hmm. um, that we're not just singing other people's songs all the time. You know, um, I don't, I don't want us to be, you know, and we're not uh, a glorified cover band, you know, <laughs> uh, leading people in Christian karaoke, yeah. Yeah. you know, that that's, that's not our purpose, but you know, I, I could see how people could view it that way. Um, but I, I definitely want to start writing our own songs, yeah. well, people, stuff that, that we would, that are coming out of yeah. the voice of our people. Well, I and think people also want to hear some familiarity. And that's why we do that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, we'll do songs that people know. Yeah. Otherwise, if it's just all these new songs that nobody's ever heard, nobody's singing, nobody's worshiping, they're just yeah. sitting there watching us. You well, know? you almost have to kind of weave it in once you have new songs. Yeah. It's kind of like just teaching someone at uh, the church. We introduce them slowly. A new song, yeah. We'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a new song maybe as special music. Yeah. And uh, and then maybe do it the next week, incorporate okay. it in, into it. You know, cool. so there's familiarity. There's, yeah. Or we've been playing it on a CD before while people are walking right. in, so they, they're hearing it subliminally and right. then they get it, you know. Cool. Uh-oh, the church is using subliminal stuff, man. That's not good. Oh, no. He's <laughs> saying subliminal. Oh, oh, we're doing backmasking? No, I guess. Is that, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, so as, as you're writing, are you trying to avoid kind of the... Uh, cliche? The, the Christian cliche. Like, oh, there's yeah. that video. Um, there's that video on... How to write a worship song. How to write song. a worship song. Absolutely. Go, you know, hold on. I'm going to play that for you guys right now. Hold on. Welcome to the Blimey Cow tutorial on how to write a worship song in five minutes or less. First off, chord progression. Now look, every good worship song only needs four chords. You can add an extra one in the bridge if you're feeling especially artistic, but you really only need just four. Just make sure that you play it really loud and that you have a lot of delay on the lead guitar. And if you're stuck on a chord progression, just try the classic first, fifth, minor sixth, fourth. If this terminology seems foreign to you, don't worry, we're sure you've heard it before. Sound familiar? Oh, and if you want your song to sound a little less uplifting and a little more convicting, try my next favorite, minor sixth, fourth, first, fifth. They'll never see it coming. Now that we've got the music down, we need some praiseworthy lyrics. Now the lyrics don't need to be deep, they just need to be easy enough so that people can remember them by the second time they get to the chorus. Otherwise, the worship leader is gonna be up there belting out tunes while everyone else is like, By the way, your song needs to rhyme too. Now don't get overwhelmed, I've got some worship song essentials right here. We'll start with an easy one. Hallelujah rhymes with hallelujah. This particular word is lots of fun because it's allowed to be repeated as many times as you want in the song and there's no specific rules for its usage. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Be creative, you know, sing a few syllables a couple times first before finishing with a powerful yah. And here's some other easy rhymes to get you started. Sing rhymes with king. Perfect love rhymes with always enough. Praise rhymes with days and grace. Heaven's gate rhymes with this place. And fire rhymes with desire. Oh, and don't forget that one thing in your song should always be on fire. Be it our hearts, our souls, this generation, just something needs to be in flames. And if you're suffering from severe writer's block, just remember that it's perfectly fine to throw in a couple of lines from Amazing Grace just to add some archaic flair. Okay, so we've got the chords, we've got the music, now all we need is the riff. The riff is the set of notes that makes your worship song sound awesome. To create your riff, find your root chord in a D major shape on the guitar. And now it's easy, just move your pinky up and down. 
try streaming it as a whole, or play it broken with some delay. And boom! Your song is officially cool! Oh, last tip! If you want your song to be youth conference ready, you can't forget the woes. Alright, I think this thing is ready. Let's go test it out. Good morning, everybody! It's time to worship God, okay? Here we go! Sing along if you know it! So you guys, you guys are trying to avoid that? Exactly. Pretty much. Exactly. We're trying to avoid that. Um, on the flip side, there's, uh, you know, you don't want to use all, like how he talks about the rhyming phrases <laughs> and all that stuff. Um, try to avoid that as much as possible and be as creative as we can. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of uh, truths yeah. that we're affirming in our songs yeah. that might sound played out to people, but they're, it's the truth. Singing about the holiness of God, singing about the greatness of God, singing about those things, which we've heard a million times in songs, but it doesn't make it any any less valid. Um, Sean just uh, <laughs> threw bottled water at a bird. Not the bottle, so he wasn't. It was, he was being nice. There was a very loud I'm bird. I'm trying next to listen to, us. to Aaron, and I just listen. hear this bird in my right ear. I'm not sure how it's going to turn out. You got some ADD going on. For all of you, so I'm sorry about those friggin' birds. Yeah, it's like we're in the jungle here. <sighs> all right, but yeah, so um, trying to avoid the cliche rhymes and things like that. But thematically, there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. That's just going to happen. Yeah. Um, I, I think this the the actually even the chords used. There's there are certain chords in music that just have an effect. You know what I mean? You guys aren't going to play yeah, like a chord drop progressions beat, uh, you know? definitely have, depending on how that chord progression goes, it's going to have an emotional yeah. uh, effect on you. Um, and most songs, let's, let's face it, people are like, every worship song has the same chords. No, every song yeah. has the same chord progression. I mean, it's... It, Especially in pop music, yeah, and we're and and worship is written in a style of pop generally. Mm-hmm. Why? Because people can sing it easily. We're you know so nine times out of ten we're, we're not. If I'm writing a song for the sake of being creative, that's going to be different than something right. that I'm going to have the people you know have the congregation yeah. sing, and um and so that's you know that's not the focus not is to see how cool and creative we can yeah. be and how many runs and how many hits and you know <laughs> we can do in this song. You know, I want people to be able to sing it and yeah. it have some sort of familiarity melodically yeah. while still having a creative aspect, you know. Yeah. It's balancing all of that out. That's yeah. that's the tricky thing. And, um, you know, it's it, we understand, as a worship leader, we understand that we can be manipulative yeah. with people's emotions. And my prayer, all every single time that I get up on stage is... Um, or get up on the platform. I'm trying not to say <laughs> stage as much. Get up on the platform is is to um, understand that. Um, wait, what was I just saying? I totally just lost. Train. But um, not not malib- not manipulating. Oh yeah, about not being yeah. manipulative. I mean, I could have a a key change six times in a song, and and then you know um, 
do all these different things to try to make something happen or, mm. or oh this song works song. this song works yeah sing the song like a million oh times like God. like youth camp you know um, no I can't <laughs> handle it either uh, so it's like you, you know we could we could do all of these things to get an emotional response right. from the people but then that's that response is in my opinion it's not genuine we're yeah. we're forcing something to happen and I think that's dangerous I feel like that's me playing with people's emotions and mm-hmm. I need to let God be the one that dictates that, yeah. uh, dictates that and not, not be the one to try to force something to take place, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, I could say, well, this song works every time. And so we're going to do that, <laughs> you know, th- and, and that's just a dangerous thing to this say. This will bring him to the knees. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and God's maybe trying to do something totally different in this service than he was trying to do in that last service. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to, to bring it back, you know, to that, to that time it's like uh the story of of moses you know when he strikes the rock mm-hmm. uh, when god tells him to speak to the rock mm-hmm. you know he strikes the rock because it worked last time god told him to strike the rock and he does that thing again right and it's like he's trying to reenact something that god told him to do but that wasn't what god told him to do in that moment oh, okay you know yeah. what i mean and that's yeah. kind of how i like to to see that is man i i've got to be just so sensitive to what god's doing and not just do something because I know in, in my brain it's going to work. Yeah. You know? so, if that makes sense. Hopefully that makes sense. I think it makes sense. All right. Well, I think we're about up for time. Cool. Um, I want to thank you for for sharing. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, of course, man. I've always, I've, when I first started the show, I was like, I need to talk to Aaron. Yeah. So it's good that it worked enjoyed out. It. And I uh, hope you all enjoyed the uh, nice, you know, relaxing sounds of the backyard. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, it's like spa sounds. Hopefully, it I don't even know. Maybe, you know, maybe none of the sounds even show up. I don't know. I'm not even wearing headphones, so I can't even tell you. We're not using condenser mics. No, just plain old Behringer crappy little mics. Yeah. So you know, they always turn out okay. You know, you're brave going with Behringer. <laughs> it was cheap. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have tons of money for this thing. Exactly. Unless you want to donate to the podcast, you can go to theaxpx.com and uh, there's a PayPal link right there. You can donate to the show or you can uh, buy some swag in the store area. Buy Hats, a t shirt. Mugs. Mm-hmm. Mouse mm-hmm. pads. Yeah. Underwears. And not underwear. Oh. Not yet. I can't really make the logo fit on a G string. I don't know. But uh, hey, if you want the show to sound better and better, you can donate to the show. And I'll, you know, uh, and I'll, and I'll buy better equipment. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, as always, the show brought to you by uh, Charming Beard Coffee. I realize I need to change the jingle at the beginning of the show. I'll change it up so you don't hear the same ad every single time. But if you go to charmingbeard.com, you can type in the promotion code AXPX and get 10% off of your order of coffee. It's good stuff, good coffees, and uh, I really like them a lot. So... Aaron, any, uh, any, where can people find you if you want people to, f- you know, stalk you, you on the yes, internet? Yes, you can stalk me on the <laughs> internet at uh, Twitter. It is Aaron the Craniac, A-A-R-O-N-T-H-E-C-R-A-N-I-A-K. That is Aaron the Craniac. <laughs> um, you can also find our church online at www.thebridgechurch.tv. And uh, we'd love to, to have you. Come hang out. All right. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. The AXPX is the handle there. And uh, being, I'm not, as, as always, I don't really have a full schedule lined up for, for the show. I know that I want to talk to, there's a, uh, a gay affirming church I want to talk to in the near future called, uh, is it the United Congregational Church of Brea, something like that. And have an interesting, a uh, lot of 
great people that worship there. I'm going to hopefully talk to a few of the congregation mem- congregation members and also the, the co-pastors, both pastors. I know that uh, me and Joey need to ha- have a conversation. He went to an atheist convention, so I want to talk to Joey about that, and we'll, we'll chat about that hopefully in the near future. And what, who are the other guests I'm working on? Still working on Jay Baker and also working on getting Mike Herrera from from MXPX on the show. So good stuff coming And Brian up. Head Welch, hopefully, right? Brian Head Welch. I would love to hear his story. He has a pretty amazing story, so I would love to talk to him. And it's just kind of the longer I have the show out, the longer people realize that, you know, I may be a little bit, you know, opinionated on Twitter and Facebook, but the show is all about just having conversations and, and dialogues with people I may not, you know, either may agree with or may not agree with. He just, just wants to hear your story, guys. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> All right, well, all of you have a great week. Uh, Joey, will, Joey will be back uh, next week. And uh, so I'm, I'm sorry, Joey, that I had to not have you on the show. But it's your fault for being gone. We missed you, Joey. And I'm talking to the microphone. I don't know. All right, all of you have a great week. Bye-bye. It's like I've never done a podcast interview, Sean. So it's I'm, fun, man. I'm enjoying it's just, this. It's just talking. Mm-hmm. And then just talking with microphones in our faces. Yeah, it's totally natural. <laughs> 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 Completely. <clears throat> you all right, man? You're like right in the sun. Good. It feels good. I yeah. like the sun. Okay. Yeah. I have like a, I have like this weird thing about sweating. I hate sweating. Really? Like if I'm in clothes. Yeah, I don't like it out. either. But I'm I'm not hot right now. All right. So okay, I'm good. Cool. Yeah. All right. I look. I, I just uh, I have a weird. I'm weird. I'm also weird about um, public restrooms and urinals. Like so. like what? I just hate urinals. You'd like to use and the stall to pee? Yes. Yeah. I I I can. I can uh, relate to that. I don't, unless there's a divider, I don't really like it. It's just weird. Yeah, it is. Even with a divider. Really? There needs to be a space, also. <laughs> a divider in it. I, their feet is, are too just, close. You know, I just go to the stall. Go to the stall, take care of business, we're good to go. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't look at me. I feel it. I never make eye contact in a bathroom. I don't know what the thing is. Even if I know the person, I have a hey, what's up, man? How's it going? Right. So if I ever see you in a public bed restroom and I just don't make eye contact, we're, you know, it's just, it's my own. And I probably won't shake hand-ups. your hand. No. I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a germ freak. And when people don't wash their hands, they just right. leave after right. taking care of business. That's just, I just. Not cool. I, ugh. All right. <laughs>